Rumi talked about us humans having one essential task while we're here in this lifetime, and that is to discover what we truly are. And he said something pretty forceful. He said that if we accomplished all kinds of other tasks but didn't attend to this one task, um, our life would be wasted. But if we attended to this one task, regardless of whether we attended to the, all the others or not, life will be fulfilled in so many words. So if the objective of this one lifetime is to discover our deepest nature, and if we assume that there is one life living this entire existence, one creation, one life force. And it sort of raises the question of why, why did we get lost in the first place? If the whole object was to find ourselves, discover ourselves as being inseparable from this one source, the one and only source, um, then why should it be so difficult? Right? It's a reasonable question. If we presume that um, this life is limited to this form, you know, this body-mind, um, and that's all there is, and what we discover by living this life is that it can be, you know, frustrating, difficult, challenging, painful sometimes, you know, possibility of getting sick, getting hurt emotionally. There's lots of things that can happen. And if we take ourselves to be as an entirety, this physical form, this body-mind, then it could almost make sense in, in questioning, you know, the intent of a creator of such a world, right? So if we go down that line of thought, then uh, you can hear things uh, said about life, like, you know, it's not fair, you know, why should it be like this? You know, how could a loving God create this much pain and suffering? You know, reasonable questions if we take our existence to be limited to this form, which is what we often take ourselves to be, this body, this mind, you know, including all of the software, all of the memories and hopes and dreams and regrets and fears and judgments and opinions and ideas, all of that as the software running this package, right? So if we take ourselves to be that, then, then that leads down an avenue where um, many people, you know, become disheartened about life, you know, develop nihilistic attitudes about life, you know, adopt an atheism 
as a, as a belief system. Of course, whether you believe in God or you believe that there is no God, both are beliefs, of course. And why settle for beliefs when the opportunity to find out for yourself in your own direct experience what's living this life, right? Why not do that? So when we come back to um, this physical form, finding ourselves apparently in this manifest world, um, the world can feel very fascinating, right? There's so many things, and everything in our upbringing, nearly everything in our upbringing, is pointing towards fulfillment lying in the manifest world. You know, fascinating world out there. Lots of things to do, lots of things to experience, um, you know, physical sensations. Um, uh, career achievements, rewards, um, all, adventures, all kinds of experiences, and everything, nearly everything that our parents and teachers and advertisers and scientists have told us is that that's where the action is, out in the world. And, um, you know, our job is to you know, just uh, partake, <laughs> partake in usually in excess, right? more, better, consuming in hopes that the world will provide fulfillment for some, some kind of longing that I think most of us feel. We may not be able to specify exactly what that is and um, so much that is presented to us in our culture um, assumes that where that fulfillment will be found is in the world, is in our participation in the world. And so we tend to do that. And the world is a fascinating place. So there seems to be that possibility, that hope. So even though we may be hoarded any number of times, somehow we still feel like, yes, but I'm sure if I try a little harder or go further down that direction, um, I'll find peace and happiness. Right? No matter what mode we're seeking in, maybe it's in the world of business or relationships or family, and then maybe we find ourselves in the spiritual um, arena and, you know, we imagine that it will be found in our recognition of enlightenment. That will do the trick. But it's always something that's not quite here now, but I have great hope that I will find it. Somehow there's, there seems to be that possibility lurking in the future. Maybe I've had some experience spiritual experiences, and all I need is a more powerful one, bigger one, right? And that will lead to some ultimate state of peace and happiness. Oh, the question 
seems to be like why why does it feel like God is playing hard to get if there's just one life living through all of us um, we can sort of understand how we got lost how we got pulled almost like a gravitational pull into the uh, wonder of running around in this in this manifest world we can sort of understand that but then then the question is like why you know if the you know our one task as Rumi suggested is to find out what we truly are <laughs> why why is life so fascinating you know why why was that the way things were created to be drawn into into that world and then Maybe if we're lucky at some point in our life, finding ourselves frustrated or disillusioned or saddened or hurt in a way that causes us to change our perception, our direction of our seeking, if we're lucky. And maybe we start looking for a way out of that. So it seems like a lot of trouble to go to, to come back to home to where we, in a sense, have never left, only, only left in the conceptions of our own head, right? And hopes and dreams and expectations that we adopt just because of you know, our culture and what everybody else seems to be doing. So we get we get seemingly led astray. So it would be easy to blame the world, right, for being so fascinating, or to blame God for not playing fair or you know inventing a, a world that you know includes not we're not even talking about evil now, but includes uh, just things like. Um, you know, disappointment and regret and fear and um, hurt and put downs and um, blames and uh, emotional hits and um, sickness and many things, many, many ways that in this lifetime we can feel bounced around. Right. So we're getting we're getting into the the range of um, objection conceptualization when we try to talk about purpose and the one source in the same sentence. So. But there may be some uh, some value in, in in trying to imagine what that might be. And as I see it, the the one source is um, not not a separate entity, separate separate being apart from this entire creation. I see this an unfolding of the one the one potentiality, infinite potential unfolding, unfolding as these body minds, this world, everything that we can see 
taste, touch, imagine. So if that's the infinite unfolding, then infinite means everything, means everything. It doesn't mean, you know, just the peace and bliss and happiness. It means all the challenges, all the ways of experiencing um, this unfolding, right? Infinite potential. But also incomplete. If, If there was... If that unfolding was complete, then all of the potentiality would have been realized, right? Complete. If it's complete, then it's finite, no longer infinite. So I see this infinite potential unfolding as um, uh, being of an unending creative. Um, exploration of what's of what's possible, and we as humans, as these body minds, are an expression of that. So not only are we an expression of that, we're also an organism that can self-reflect on that creation. All right. So we have this sort of unusual. In, in, in terms of planet Earth, it seems to, that we have a somewhat unusual capacity uh, to self-reflect, um, to consider our existence, even though uh, all the plants and animals are obviously conscious. Um, but this ability to self-reflect um, on one's own existence seems to be um, unusual, certainly to the degree that we humans can um, imagine in that way. And so we become not only participants in that creation, but also the observers of it. But the, the difficulty is when, when we lose ourselves in the participation and forget all about being um, the observing presence as awareness to what's happening. And we've been trained to do that. (laughs) So that's the, um, in a sense, the challenge of this um, infinite consciousness operating through and as these forms um, to retain or rediscover some um, way back to one's own source um, as awareness. Because awareness is the one, it's not a thing, but the one thing that is not of this world of form. Everything else that appears has a certain characteristic of form. Right. It has a duration or a shape or um, a, a feeling to it that, or a, a size. It has a color. It has, a, has certain characteristics, right? A sound, certain characteristics, a thought, has a certain duration. Feeling feels like it feels, right? A certain object within awareness. 
So all of the, whatever appears within awareness is, as a, as a lifespan, comes and goes. And the one thing that doesn't is this consciousness, this awareness, or just this capacity to notice we all have already as is, does require improvement. But we've been taught that what's real is this manifest world, is the material world, is matter, atoms, molecules, etc. That's what's real. when someone talks about awareness or consciousness, it sounds a little, little ethereal, right? I mean, it could also be called spirit, as long as we don't think about it as an external entity out there in the cosmos somewhere. And most of the time we differentiate between matter and mind. But I'm, I'm drawing the distinction even before mind. I'm putting mind and matter out there in the objective, so-called objective world. But when we really look at that objective world, it's not quite as solid as um, we might imagine. Because it's on, the only way we know it ever is that it appears within awareness. So what most scientists would like us to feel, nearly all scientists, maybe a few more recently have sort of switched sides, but what nearly all scientists feel is that matter is solid. And then they try to figure out how consciousness can arise from molecules and neurons and chemistry and electricity and how that somehow produces consciousness. But the only thing that we can experience ourselves directly for certain is consciousness. The only thing we can actually be certain of. And then there are appearances within consciousness, right? All the experiences, all the thoughts, all the feelings, all the sensations. That's what appears within consciousness. But the only way we know that, of the only thing that we know of that appearance is that it appears in consciousness. So which is more fundamental? So it sounds, um, it can, this, this awareness can sound a bit flimsy, like, um, you know, can I really trust it, right? This world seems, you know, I may not like what it happens all the time, but it, I sort of know the rules, rules of the game. Um, and it's what most people say anyway, but this awareness, I mean, can I really trust that as being 
that which I fundamentally am. So that gets down to the fundamental question in spirituality, what am I? Or what is living this life? However you want to phrase it. So we have an opportunity in this life to just explore that question. And I would suggest that all of the challenges that life seems to be throwing in our way, you know, all the, um, you know, the doubts and despair and um, misunderstandings and fears and illusions and all of that, that we try to find our way through are essential. They're not just, they're not just God toying with us like a cat toys with a mouse. It's not that. It's actually essential. Mr. Gadada said something um, very, very clear about this point. And he said that um, you know, one cannot know liberation by bliss alone. It's almost like we have to experience, um, say, sickness in order to more fully appreciate good health. Or to experience loss, loss of a friend, loss of a relationship, in order to um, perhaps begin to look beyond what comes and goes look for the, the permanent. It's almost as if we have to experience our conditioning to really see the extent and the, and the um, illusory power of it in order to be willing to consider what may be unconditioned an unconditioned way of being in the world, recognizing what that may be. So it's almost seeing, being willing to see the limitations of this body-mind, limitations of this world, what it has to offer. Beautiful, extraordinary, wonderful, and limited. And so it's helpful to notice that um, by seeing that clearly, um, we become willing to see what is beyond the conditioned, beyond the limited. It's just not what we took ourselves to be. And we can uh, try this out for ourselves. We can, um, you know, simple, but quite extraordinary exercises just to just to feel into what um, what it might feel like if one even imagined, even on a conceptual way, to try to feel into um, seeing say some vista nature. As if seeing it from infinite consciousness 
screw your eyes. Allowing the magnificence of the seeing and the magnificence of the seen both. Let's try it on for size, see how it feels. <laughs> 